It's Monday, April 22nd. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this is The Daily Dive. Today's podcast is all about the ever-changing workplace. First, get ready for Walmart's robot army. Walmart is planning to deploy almost 4,000 bots to work in its stores to mop its aisles, scan shelves, and even unload trucks. Erica Pandy, future reporter for Axios, joins us to talk about more automation in the workplace, which, as Walmart puts it, allows employers to do more fulfilling customer service work. Next, in the age of legal marijuana, many employers are dropping the zero-tolerance rule when it comes to drug tests. In states like California, where marijuana is legal, the economy is growing and unemployment is low, companies are facing shortages of qualified workers. Margot Roosevelt, economy and labor reporter for the LA Times, joins us for why increasingly companies are not drug testing or ignoring some of the results. Finally, it's a conversation happening in HR departments across the country. How can employers be more sensitive when giving notice of termination? Or what is the best day to fire someone? It used to be Friday, but now it's more like a Wednesday. Chip Cutter with the Wall Street Journal joins us for that and what you should do when getting fired. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. That 800 million number is obviously very, very striking. But one thing to think about is not all jobs will be totally automated away, but a lot of jobs, huge swaths of the responsibility will be automated away. Joining us now is Erica Pandy, future reporter at Axios. We're going to be talking about Walmart's upcoming robot army. They're telling us how they're planning to move a lot of their stores into the future. They're going to be adding 3,900 robots that will mop the aisles or scan the shelves so people know exactly how to restock them. A lot of people are worried about this. They feel that the incoming automation is going to cause a lot of people to lose their jobs. There was actually a management consulting firm that published a report saying that 800 million workers worldwide will be adversely impacted by robots and automation by 2030. In the U.S., 73 million jobs are going to be eliminated by 2030. Now, these are just big estimates. But when big companies like Walmart do something like this, people get spooked. Tell us what Walmart's planning, and then we'll talk about automation in general. Walmart is the U.S.'s biggest employer with 2.1 million workers. They're an extremely important source of jobs in a lot of small towns where they're the only game in town. And so when they do something like this, it's really important to watch it closely. They've got about 4,000 robots they're adding to the thousands uh, they've already got. And these are going to have a very big presence in the stores themselves. And so, you know, I asked Walmart, so are you also going to have 4,000 layoffs? And they said, No, and they sort of took me through why, which I thought was really interesting. They were saying that some of these jobs, it's the overnight janitor job that's very hard to fill anyway. So they weren't even getting people applying for that job. So the robot will do a job that humans didn't want to do. And, you know, that 800 million number is obviously very, very striking. But one thing to think about is not all jobs will be totally automated away, but a lot of jobs, huge swaths of the responsibility will be automated away. And so I asked the company, you know, some of the shifts, if they're that employee who goes and scans the shelves themselves, that person is going to have maybe a five-hour day instead of an eight-hour day because there's a robot doing that. And Walmart says it can replace those hours with new jobs that it's creating that might not even exist yet. So, you know, in the past two years, the company has added 40,000 jobs of online grocery pickers. 
So people who just t- take your online order and then assemble your bag for you so it can go out for delivery. And that job, some of these people that used to scan shelves can then go and, and start becoming online grocery pickers. There's always a yes, but the catch here is that the robots are getting better too. And one day the robot could do that grocery picker job. So it's about having humans stay a step ahead right. the whole way through. And you know, it's unclear if we can keep that up. Walmart said that store workers spend about two to three hours a day driving a floor scrubber through the store using the manual machines. So the robot scrubbing machines will help with that. Automatic conveyor belts cut the number of workers needed to unload trucks by half from about eight to four workers. And this is what they're doing. They have different machines doing different things. So there's the autonomous janitors, the shelf scanners, and then people working in the back unloading trucks. So these are the big main components that they're looking to automate more and more. Yeah, in some cases, it's it's the most repetitive jobs or maybe the most physically taxing jobs. The company's line on this has been, we want more people to do more fulfilling work and we want to put people in customer service roles. For anybody who's ever worked in retail, though, you know they have gripes about actually doing customer service. So it's just kind, exactly. of, a, it's kind of a funny line in there that they want to shift people. It's a necessity for a company to have great customer service. And, you know, maybe it does help if they're not doing some of these other tasks. They can be nicer to customers. But I worked in retail before, and I can tell you that oftentimes working with the customers is one of the worst parts of the job. Right. That's the front lines. I mean, that's where all of it goes down. And the one reason I find that interesting, though, is we're seeing stores like Amazon Go crop up because a lot of young people hate talking to other human beings and they actually want to go somewhere where they can just walk out and not interact with someone as sad as that is. So, you know, can Walmart really absorb adding so many more customer service jobs when we might be lurching toward a society where we want to just stay in our own heads and keep the headphones on? Amazon is adding thousands of warehouse robots all over the food sector. We're seeing robots flipping burgers in restaurants, uh, being waiters. It was kind of a cute gimmick, but now it's really starting to threaten this core level of low-wage jobs. Erica Pandy, future reporter at Axios, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks, Oscar. We have fought to end the war on drugs, and we have seen state after state decriminalize marijuana or legalize marijuana. Joining us now is Margot Roosevelt, covering the California economy and labor for the L.A. Times. We're going to be talking about marijuana and how a lot of employers are dropping a zero tolerance rule when it comes to drug tests. When California passed recreational use of marijuana, I mean, I know that was one of the first questions that was arising all over the place. What does that mean for work now? Do I still need to take a drug test? What if I fail there? And now we're finding out that many employers are looking the other way when it comes specifically to marijuana usage. Companies are looking for workers all over the place and a lot of qualified candidates are not being hired because they're failing drug tests. It's actually a trend that's been increasing across a lot of different workplace industries. The failure rates for not passing because of marijuana has been increasing. So a lot of companies now are looking the other way. What do we know about this whole thing? Well, there are two things to understand first. One is that employers have the right to exclude any job applicants who test positive for THC, which is the main psychoactive ingredient in marijuana. Even if you're taking it with a medical prescription, they're allowed to either exclude you from 
being hired, or if you're tested on the job, they're allowed to fire you. That was part of the California law specifically stating that, right? It was in the recreational law, and the California Supreme Court in 2008 ruled that medical marijuana did not enable you to be labeled as disabled in order to keep your job. And one of the companies in particular that you profiled was Rye Electric, who they do screen all their prospective workers for drugs. It's a millennial heavy workplace. It's a construction company. And they're one of these companies that are choosing to look the other way because in some of their words, they say, what are we going to say? You can't do something that's legal now. The biggest problem with these drug tests is that in the case of marijuana, if you smoke marijuana on a Saturday night, which is legal in California, and then a couple of weeks later, you apply for a job. Even if you haven't smoked in between or, or partaken in between, it will show up. It can show up in your urine test. And that doesn't mean that you're impaired on the job if you smoked it two weeks earlier. The problem is that the test does not measure whether you have any kind of impairment from the THC that's found in your urine. So that's why a lot of employers are coming around to the feeling that it's not really a fair test and it's not really fair to exclude people based on the test. You mentioned a couple times in your article that from people that are employers that you're talking to, they're saying there's people who drink and are great workers, but they don't do it on the job. And marijuana is just like that. As long as you're not doing it on the job, it's just like alcohol you can potentially be a very effective worker. Somebody else even said it's been destigmatized and it's like a glass of wine drinking kind of thing. We should point out, however, that there are jobs that where the federal government has very strict rules that you cannot test positive. So even though the state may overlook marijuana in some industries, there are jobs like airline pilot and aerospace jobs and train conductors and truck drivers, jobs that the Department of Transportation, the Federal Department of Transportation says these people must be tested whether you like it or not. And if they do test positive, they cannot be hired. Yeah. And even um, in some companies that, you know, you're operating heavy machinery or you're a nurse or something and you have to give people shots or draw blood. These are really important things that, yeah, they're going to hold the line. And if you're test positive for this stuff, you're not going to get hired. If the employer has a manufacturing plant and they feel it's a dangerous plant and there was an accident in this plant, maybe somebody could sue them and say that they were negligent by allowing a marijuana smoker to operate machinery. So I think a lot of this is driven by fear of lawsuits. Right. Yeah. There is uh, another company you profiled basically saying they had up to five candidates who aced their interviews. They toured the plant. They were ready to get hired and everything. But all five of them in a single day failed their drug test for marijuana. They got disqualified right away. I think uh, other people, they said once they know a drug test is coming, they start ghosting and then they just never follow up with the process again. But in that case, they're losing candidates. But there's other things at risk. You know, they're liable in if somebody gets hurt and, and they're looking towards that. They don't want to be caught up in that. It's a particularly big problem right now because the job market is so tight. Unemployment is so low. In California, it's down to 4.2%. And that means that businesses are really scrambling to find workers. And by drug testing and by excluding anybody who might have smoked marijuana in the previous week, that really narrows the pool of potential workers that they could hire. 
Overall, drug testing in the workplace is going down also, though, right? In the old days, before the Reagan administration, there really wasn't much drug testing. Drug testing was kind of an outgrowth of the Reagan-era war on drugs. During that era and in the wake of that war on drugs, it went up to 80% of companies. But back a decade earlier, only 20% of companies tested for drugs. And now there aren't really reliable estimates, but those surveys have shown that it's down to about half of companies. There's about 10 states and D.C. who have recreational marijuana laws now. There's 33 states that allow medical marijuana usage. So these companies are just trying to adapt and change with time now. And some states are also doing the same thing, too. Uh, They're passing laws where you can't really discriminate against people if they're smoking pot. There are 13 states that have laws that explicitly say you can't discriminate against medical marijuana patients. So if you come in for a job and you present your prescription and you say, you know, I have pain that I keep under control with marijuana or anxiety or whatever, and this is my prescription from my doctor, they can't exclude you just on the basis of that in these 13 states. But California is not one of those. One trend that we may see down the road was signaled by the New York City Council this past week, and they barred most private businesses and city agencies from even screening applicants for marijuana at all. So that would be a real ratcheting up of the regulations, and the mayor of New York is likely to sign that. Margot Roosevelt covering the California economy and labor for the LA Times. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Unless someone was fired for something egregious, some HR practitioners say they, they want to help the person get their next job. And so they say, you know, what can I do to help you find that job? Joining us now is Chip Cutter, reporter for The Wall Street Journal. We are still in one of the tightest labor markets in a long time. A lot of people have jobs, but the turnover always happens, regardless if there's a high demand for jobs or low demand for jobs. So we're going to be talking about what the best ways are to fire somebody. And this is a big debate going on in a lot of HR rooms across the country, but it's important to understand it on both levels, whether you might be the person that's doing this or if you are the person that's being let go and and kind of how to respond and how to move on after that. So what's the best day to do this on? A lot of people have thought for a long time it's best to lay people off on Fridays. Usually it coincides with the end of a pay period. It's also the end of the week. But now the thinking is that it actually makes more sense to lay people off on Tuesdays or Wednesdays. And that's because it gives someone time during business hours to then look for another job in the, in, the, in the following days. And it also gives companies time to reassure employees around the person who was fired or laid off. And so a lot of people are now advising that midweek firings are, are preferable. Yeah, and that totally makes sense. If you're going to be proactive after getting fired, you want to have that time to rebound and you don't want to let somebody stew over the weekend also. That's part of what goes on in in these debates is you have to remain sensitive. You have to be sensitive to the needs of the person that is being let go, you know, unless they're being fired for something dumb that they did, you know, like a fireable offense. But we just had this story back in February where a worker had been laid off at that factory in Aurora, Illinois, and then they went on a killing spree and killed five people. So that concern is always there to how to sensitively handle the situation. 
And that was so tragic, what happened in Aurora. But I think what happened from all the people that I spoke with, they said that that really caused a lot of people in HR to reach out to their peers to say, how would you have handled things? What is your process for laying people off? And that really started almost a rethinking of terminations across the board. And, and of course, violence usually doesn't happen after a termination. But people want to do this in the most humane way. And so it just opened up all sorts of different questions about, you know, what do you say to people? What do you give them? For example, benefits, it turns out, are oftentimes used as a way to to just reassure employees to so the idea that we might give you health and benefits for a couple of months after you're fired, just as a way, almost as a soft landing, we'll let you get those doctor's appointments in, whatever it is. And so it's, employers have all these different tools they use around these terminations, which I thought was kind of really interesting to see how this all works. Talk a little bit about having empathy for when you are firing somebody, because I can just imagine being let go myself and instantly being pissed off. You know, I'm going to fight back a little bit. You know, why am I getting fired? What's going on? What did I do wrong? You know, it's easy for tensions to flare up there. So how should people do it in a nice way? Yeah. I mean, I think empathy is really key. And so there's a couple ways that people can go about it. One is unless someone was fired for something egregious, some HR practitioners say they, they want to help the person get their next job. And so they say, you know, what can I do to help you find that job? One person I spoke with, she's the head of people at a company called Zenefits. It's an HR software company. And she sometimes gives her cell phone number to employees and says they can call them or text her if they have questions after a firing. She knows that it's a lot of information to take in in that moment. So call her if there's something that comes up. And she also will use language like, you know, I can imagine this might be difficult for you. And, and, and just kind of realizing that this is a really, really difficult moment that someone's going through and trying to kind of put yourself in their shoes, knowing that they're not going to be able to soak up all the information about their benefits yeah. if, you know, and everything else in that moment. So give them time. Giving your phone number out, though, could be a pretty tough. Though. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you have to pick and choose the right person to do that with. Yeah, I'm not sure everybody would feel that way, but but she said this worked well for her and, and nobody had abused it, but it was just another way for her to kind of extend something to an employee. What about that employee that you're just not certain about? While you may not think that violence could arise from it, but you got to prep yourself for some testy conversations. Like, you know that they might have an anger problem or something. How do you handle those situations? Preparation is key. A uh, number of people who have been through this said that they've had situations that felt really tense. And so they said it was critical to kind of plan this ahead and do the termination in a room that was a little bit outside of the main area, but was still open and visible from the outside. So if you had security officials around, they could kind of watch what was happening, but they're not kind of right on top of everyone and adding to kind of a tense situation. The other thing that helps with and doing the firing in another part of the office, it helps, it helps ensure there's not a walk of shame for someone who's kind of being let go. They're not being kind of paraded around all their colleagues and being kind of forced out the door. So that's just another way to kind of be sensitive. But those who have been through these kind of tense situations say they really just, they talk through everything. They talk through how they're going to talk to the person, what the path is going to be to the door, whether they're going to let the person go back and get their supplies off their desk. Like all this stuff is just talked about and kind of almost rehearsed in advance. So these conversations are happening across HR departments all over the country. What if you're on the other side of it? What if you're the person getting fired? How should you respond? Because you don't want to blow off the handle. You know, you, you want to still maintain some dignity if you can. How should you be responding? I think there's a couple really key points. One is, like just like you said, don't fly off the handle in that moment. You know, you don't you want to think before you start ranting. And so that applies right in the moment. And then, of course, when you go home and on social media. But I think it's really important to get as much information as you can about why you're being fired. You know, so ask for details because all that could prove useful later. And also, don't be in a rush to sign anything. You know, you're allowed to take time to review documents that your company presents. And so make sure to ask for that. And the other is just to remember that a lot of this is negotiable. So your severance pay, your health insurance benefits, all 
all of that can be negotiated. And one of the career experts I spoke with said that you could even negotiate, for example, to have your severance, say your company offers you six weeks severance. Why not negotiate to have that paid out weekly over six weeks? That way you're still employed by the company, which could be helpful if you're looking for other jobs. You say you are, you're still an employee, you're still working there. So not every company will allow that, but I think just realizing that all of this is up for debate. So certainly ask for it and realize you can negotiate. Chip Cutter, reporter for The Wall Street Journal. Thank you very much for joining us. Great. Thanks for having me. That's it for today. Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on Twitter and Daily Dive Podcast on Facebook. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow us on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. The Daily Dive is produced by Miranda Moreno and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this was your Daily Dive.